with, with me this morning, if you would, and let's stand, if you're able to, for, for reading of God's Word, Romans chapter number 8, and uh, heard some good reports of the men that stood in this sacred desk while I was gone, and I don't take it lightly to have somebody uh, stand here and preach, and sure appreciate Brother Harold did a great job with the Heartland Group, and I heard a lot of good things about that, and then last week, uh, last Sunday, uh, Pastor Don Strange, and a lot of folks really enjoyed Pastor Strange, and uh, he's been a dear friend since I've been here in the state of Florida, pastored faithfully for well over 30-some years over in the Fort Myers area, and uh, he has recently turned over his pulpit and is uh, kind of a pastor emeritus, and God just put it on my heart to have him over, and I'm praying about having him back soon for a special day. But I'm glad that somebody was able to be here that uh, I could trust and that loves the Word of God and would be faithful to preaching and teaching it. And so I just apologize that today you're stuck with me. But nonetheless, let's take the Bible this morning and let's look at it. And I hope you came this morning to get something from God and from His Word. And we're in Romans chapter number 8. And our theme this year has been Magnify. And month by month, we've been going with a theme that goes with the word magnify. And uh, many months ago, God providentially gave me this for the month of July as the sovereignty of God. Today's the message is going to be on the sovereign rule of God. And we'll see this from Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and 29. So if you have your Bible or your notes, you can follow along or on the screen. I'd like all of us to read these two verses together, all right? So if you're there, let's begin reading with these verses. Here we go. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren." And shall we pray? Lord, thank you for these verses. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to allow them to settle in our hearts, that we would live every day in the light of Romans 8, 28 and 29. Lord, the sovereignty of you in our lives. Now bless your word. Be with those that are here, those that are listening. Bless those that are visiting. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. When I think of these verses... The passage before us today is really one of the gifts that God gives to us as his Christians, as believers in Christ. I love what R.A. Torrey said years ago about Romans 8.28. He said, These, this verse is a soft pillow for a tired heart. Does your heart ever get tired? Has your heart ever been heavy? Can I tell you that God has a pillow for you to rest upon? I love this thought here as we think about life itself and some of the difficulties that we experience and we encounter. Listen, the difficulties come and we don't always know, Lord, what is the purpose behind this? Why have you allowed this into my life or into the life of a loved one? But one thing I know that as a Christian, that we believe that God is always at work. And the Bible says God is working all things together for good. And so as we look at these verses this morning, it is helping us to understand that we can rest in the sovereignty of God. The fact that God is 
ruling over all things. And in spite of the difficulties, listen, you and I, even during the trials, we can have victory. When I think about this, it brings to my mind a man that God used for a portion of time in my life years ago. The man's name was Dr. Curtis Hudson. Dr. Hudson had been a great pastor, had pastored people for many years in Stone Mountain, Georgia. And God providentially then allowed Dr. Hudson, if you've ever heard of the Sword of the Lord publication, he actually was in charge of that publication and getting the word out to so many. But later in life, in his late 50s, going into his early 60s, Dr. Hudson found out that God had allowed cancer to come into his life. What I'm about to show you is something that uh, I was able to go and be a part of. I was in Bible college in Knoxville, Tennessee years ago when Dr. Hudson was nearing the end of his life. What was amazing about this was is that through the cancer, through the difficulties, we never saw a spirit that was cross with God. As a matter of fact, he kept such a sweet spirit about himself. He continued to tell people about the love of God. He began to see people come to know Christ through his life, through his testimony. Until he drew his last breath, he was still sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with people. While I was in Bible college, we found out, as Dr. Hudson was nearing the end of his life, that he was going to attempt to preach one last time. Many believe this would be, unless God intervened, the last time that he would ever stand and preach the word of God. And I chose to go to that meeting in Charlotte, North Carolina. Had a couple, I was a married student, there was a couple young guys said, hey, if you're going to go, we'll go with you. So we went over to this meeting. We drove across to North Carolina. We were in this meeting. And what you're about to see is Dr. Hudson, that, is, that, that his body, that at one time was about the size of my body right now, but after cancer had run its course, he was down to 87 pounds. He could barely stand, but God gave him the strength one last time to stand behind the pulpit, and before he preached a message, and I'll never forget it, things that are different are not the same. I'll never forget that message. Nowadays, you think about all these people, even pastors, who want to change what God's given to us, but things that are different are not the same. Remember David, how they tried to put the ark on a new car? That's not the way God intended. And so understand that he stood there to preach the word of God. But before he got to the message, he decided that he wanted to sing. Now, I will tell you, Dr. Hudson was a country preacher. Some of you are going to hear a language, he calls it a heavenly language, that you may not understand. But if you notice below his name there, the song he chose to sing has become very dear to so many, and it's called, I'm on the winning side. Now remember when you listen to him, that it's really days, maybe weeks, before he stepped into eternity. And he's standing there, 87 pounds, with a body full of cancer. And I want you to listen to him sing this song.
And stop that right there. That big man on, on my right, your left, that's his son. Tony. Start it again, you'll see his wife. That's his wife right there. So I have a question for you this morning. Are you on the winning side? Are you saved? Are you living in Romans 8.28? How could a man stand there 87 pounds, body full of cancer, and sing and have the strength to do that? Because Dr. Hudson believed in the sovereignty of God. As a matter of fact, Dr. Hudson was used in so many different ways uh, one of the things that he did later in life was he wrote. These books here are just some of the books that he wrote. Here's, he believed in the sovereignty of God so much that he wrote a book about heaven. He believed in the sovereignty of God. He wrote a book on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He believed in the sovereignty of God that he wrote a book on the deity of Christ. Many other books that Dr. Hudson wrote were all books that he wrote in his lifetime that, listen, it wasn't until he got cancer that he believed in the sovereignty of God. He lived in the sovereignty of God every day of his life. He knew that God works all things together for good. And Dr. Hudson lived that way. And listen, this morning, I hope in your life that you understand that Romans 8.28 is for all of us. I want you to see this morning some aspects about Romans 8.28 and 8.29 Notice, first of all, God's promise. He says, all things work together for good. How many things, church? How many? All things. Notice as we think about this promise that it was a guaranteed promise. The Bible says, we know. Let's say that together. We know. See, where do we get that knowledge? It's based on God's word. The word know you find from the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation, the book, gives us 1,090 times the Bible uses the word know, K-N-O-W. Job said it this way, for I know that my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. Job says, look, my Savior is not a dead Savior. I know that he liveth. I love what John said, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Listen, aren't you glad this morning that you know that you are saved and in Christ? See, a lot of times people say to me, well, I just don't know if you can be saved or not. Well, the Bible tells us that we can know, K-N-O-W, that we can know that we are in Christ. Can I tell you, God is not playing games. God wants you to know Him this morning. He wants you to know His promise and the promise is that all things work together, not some things. Now, I know this is where it gets sticky for some people because I realize every one of us go through things in life. But remember, if God says all things work together, guess what? All things work together. 
That means that, yes, the good things work together, but also the bad things work together. That means the trials, the temptation, maybe even death and sickness and sorrows, all these things work together for good. Now, the longer we live, maybe your list of all these things is growing. Maybe some of you are concerned about how many things are in your list of all things, but God wants to use all those things for what? For good in your life. Remember, the Bible tells us God will not tempt us with evil. God would never hurt you and harm you. God doesn't want to destroy his children. He wants to help you as his children, and he works all things together And that list is helping us to grow. He is using those pressures in life for what purpose? Listen, here it is. To bring us closer to him. See, God will use all things together. It's a guaranteed promise. We know. But notice it's also a guided promise. Listen, God is working all things together for good. Listen, he's working all things together. You see those words there, to work together. The words speak of a cooperation. Listen, it's one thing when we work, but it's another thing when God works. Now watch this. When God works and we work in cooperation, good things are going to happen. And as we think about God working, we're talking about the sovereignty of God. God controlling over creation. God dealing with his governance over all things. The sovereignty of God is God ruling over even our reality of things. We like to plan. I don't know about you, but I I like to have a schedule. I like to know how my day is going to go. But you know, there's been many times in my life where I have my day planned out, and guess what? God's plans overrule my plans. God decides he's going to change something in my life, and God knows the reality, but God also knows what his plan is is for us. Notice what the writer of 1 Chronicles says. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Look, there are many times in life where you and I cannot explain why something is happening. I think sometimes people come to me and they think because I'm a pastor, I have all the answers. Can I tell you that I many times I am just like you. I don't understand sometimes why certain things are happening, but one thing I know is that I believe, and I hope you do this morning, that God is head over all things in our lives and that God has a purpose what is going on. We find that purpose stated in verse 28. All things work together for what? For good. Now listen, to them that love God. Do you love God this morning? I hope you do. Do you know that God loves you? And as as I think about God's love for us, that is the purpose of God working in our lives to show us how much he loves us. One good example of this is Not only Dr. Curtis Hudson, but a woman by the name of Fanny Crosby. Fanny Crosby, and by the way, if you've never studied her life, you ought to. Fanny Crosby was born into this world, and at six weeks of age, 
Fanny went to the doctor, her mom took her to the doctor, and the doctor did something that actually caused Fanny to go blind at six weeks of age. Really, you could pretty much say that Fanny was blind all of her life. Now, she could have been like most people, blaming God, hating God, you know, even cursing God. You know, angry at life, angry at the world. But you don't see that. Matter of fact, many of the hymns that are in our hymn book were written by Fanny Crosby. She was one of the great songwriters. I think it was attributed to her blindness. Notice as she said this, it seemed intended by the blessed providence of God that I should be blind all my life. And I thank him. She thanked God for the dispensation. She's talking about the blindness. She said, if perfect earthly sight were offered to me tomorrow, I would not accept it. I might not have sung hymns to the praise of God if I had been distracted by the beautiful and interesting things about me. Later on in life, she said this, oh, what a happy soul am I. Although I cannot see, I am resolved that in this life, contented I shall be. How many blessings I enjoy that other people don't. To weep and sigh because I'm blind, I cannot and I won't. You know, years, years later in her life, she was around somebody who thought that they could maybe stir her up about her life and going through life in the dark. And this person asked her, you know, if you could speak to the doctor that caused your blindness, what would you say? And I want you to notice she said... This is what I would say, thank you. Notice, it was no mistake. God maketh no mistakes. See, Fanny Crosby believed in the sovereignty of God. And you and I, when we go through things in life, we may not see what God is doing. But as the songwriter said, Jesus doeth all things well. You see, I find here as I look at Romans 8, 28, that God's promise is that he is working all things together for good. But notice, notice not only God's promise, but we see God's purpose. God has a purpose in the trials and what happens in our lives. And the Bible says again, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Notice the words, the called. So as we consider the purpose of God, it's to a redeemed people. See, unsaved people would not understand God working in their lives. Only saved people would understand, as John wrote it this way, we love him because he first loved us. See, while we were yet sinners, God loved us so much. The Bible says, for God so loved the world. We were worth, unworthy of God's mercy and grace. We were unworthy sinners. And we, had, listen, God was, I don't know about you, but before I got saved, God was not on my mind. I was not considering him. I wasn't thinking about his love. But listen, he thought about us. He thought about us so much that he came to us. We call that Christmas. I love what the Bible says as Paul wrote to those in Galatians chapter 4. And when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son. What sweet words. Jesus came. The Bible says, made of a woman, made under the law, and why did he come, verse 5, to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoptions of son. 
The reason Jesus came is because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. Everyone needs a Savior. And Jesus came to redeem us, to buy us back from a life of sin. Can I tell you this morning, listen, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what you're involved in right now, God loves you. How many of you believe that this morning? God loves you. God loves you so much that he gave the most precious gift that's ever been given. And that was his son. As a matter of fact, look in this same chapter. I want you to look in Romans chapter 8 where we can see how much God loves us and that God's love will never change for us. Look in Romans chapter 8 and verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or, or even the sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more. We're not just conquerors. We're more than conquerors through him that loved us. Paul says, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Folks, listen this morning. Romans 8, 28 tells us that God loves us and that no matter what happens in life, God's love for us will never change. God loves you today. God has a purpose and his purpose is for a redeemed people. So don't allow, when things happen in your life, the circumstances come along. Don't allow those circumstances to get you to start to think that God loves you any less than God has said and has proven that he loves you. And as we think about this purpose, it's not only to redeem people, but it's for a revealed purpose. Because the Bible says, who are the called according to his purpose? You see, God saved you. How many of you are saved this morning? God saved you, and he's given you a purpose. See, before you got saved, your life meant nothing. You were living for yourself, for the flesh, for the world, but now you have a purpose. The Bible says, as we think about this, Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun what kind of work? A good work in you that he will perform it how long? Until the day of Jesus Christ. You know what that tells me? God is still working in your life and mine. God's not done with us yet. Charles Spurgeon said, God is too good to be unkind, and he is too wise to be mistaken. And when we cannot trace his hand, we can trust his heart. I hope you know God loves you this morning. Job said it this way, Behold, I go forward... But he is not there and backward, and I cannot perceive him on the left hand where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him, but he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. God knows. He has a purpose in our lives, and God's purpose is to refine us. God wants to work in our lives so that he can use us once again. You see, God has given us a promise, and we see that God's promise shows us the purpose of God, that we who are saved, 
God wants to use our life, but how is God going to do that? He has a process. And notice in verse number 29, somebody said it this way, if God brings you to a difficulty, God will bring you through it. So look at verse number 29 of Romans chapter number 8. For whom he did foreknow, the, the, he says here, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now understand this morning those couple words, foreknow and predestinate. Understand that many today want to take those verses and they want to twist and distort the scriptures. This isn't talking about salvation here. The Bible's talking about to the called according to his purpose that we just looked at in the previous verse. So when we look at what the Bible is saying here, the summary of verse 29 is to save people. It is talking about how God knew before we were born that God had a plan for our lives and how God's plan is that you and I would be conformed into the image, not of Hollywood, not of this world, not of this church, but of his son, Jesus. The Bible says in the book of Acts, they were first called Christians. That's what they were called. I mean, when I got saved years ago, you know, I, if somebody were to ask me today, well, what do you believe? I would tell them, I believe the Bible. I'm a Bible-believing Christian. Now, I'm not ashamed to tell somebody I'm proud of the fact that I'm a Baptist. I have no problem saying that because as I study the Word of God, I find that the Scriptures teach uh, how that we need to understand that Jesus came and then He established the church, and there are certain things that the Word of God teaches. But as I got saved and as you got saved, listen, I didn't even know what a Baptist was. Say, well, what did you become when you got saved? I became a Christian. And you know what it means to be a Christian? It means to be like Christ, a little Christ. They were first called Christians. And so God says, look, when I saved you, I'm working all things together for your good, to the called according to his purpose, so that whom he did foreknow, he did also predestinate that they would be conformed, that they would look more act more, talk more like Jesus. If Christians would just be Christians, this world would be a different place. But see, many Christians want to live like the world. I love the songwriter, and it might be a kid's song, but I like the words, he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth, Jupiter and Mars, how loving and patient he must be because he still working on me. How many of you say I'm a work in progress, right? God's still working. You know what Paul said? I've not yet apprehended. Paul said, I'm not there. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. We all need to be more like Jesus, but here's how you become more like Jesus. Everything of value has to be placed under the fire has to be put to the test. It'd be wonderful if life was just smooth sailing, but the Lord never promised us smooth sailing. The Bible says all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. When I think about a great example of being put 
under the heat of fire, I think about Daniel's buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember how the king made a decree and they would not bow down? Thank God for young people that don't bow down to the gods of this world. I love Christian camp. I never got to go to camp when I was a teenager. But I'm glad for a week that cell phones are taken away from teenagers and all the distractions so that God can speak to young people. You know, that's what church is. How many phones have you heard go off this morning? That's the work of the devil. The devil wants to distract. We need to stay focused on what is God's purpose for my life And part of that purpose means that we might be tested. We might have to go through something. I think about this situation where they were placed in the burning, fiery furnace. And the Bible says, and you have it there in your notes in Daniel chapter 3, then Nebuchadnezzar came near the mouth of the burning, fiery furnace. And he spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth in the midst of the fire, the princes and governors and captains and the king's counselors being gathered together, saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was an hair of their head singed, neither were their coats changed, and the smell of fire had not passed on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake, and he said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, He says here, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Hey, listen, that is what we need to understand is this furnace was heated up seven times hotter than it had ever been heated up before. Say, Pastor, I don't know if I want that. You're missing it. You see that picture there? And I know it's a picture. It's the best I can do. Nobody was there to take a picture. But do you see three people there or four? Because the Bible says that as they went into that, that there was a fourth one that was walking in the fire with them, like as under the Son of God. You see, when we go through things, God has a purpose. But God is working in cooperation with us. God was there for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And God was there for Fanny Crosby. And God was there for Dr. Curtis Hudson. And I'm going to tell you, God will be there and has been there for you too. But normally in our lives, we do not become more like Jesus when we're on top of the mountain. When things are going well. You see, I find that as I think about God's process that it's a planned process. The Bible again says, whom he did foreknow. You know what the word means? It means God knew it was going to happen before it happened. Do you know that whatever happens tomorrow, listen to me, whatever happens in your life tomorrow, the next week, the next year, God already knows it's going to happen. That's the sovereignty of God. When I think about this, I, I think about what Isaiah said, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times of things that are not yet done saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Because he's God. He is sovereign. He's at work in every situation. You know what that means? God was at work during COVID. God was at work during the bubonic plague. 
God is at work during times of war. God is at work during times of protest. God is always at work, and God is working all things together for good to them that love God, to them that are the called according to his purpose. The Bible puts it this way in Psalm 37, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. God's ordering our steps. And what you and I need to do in our lives, watch this, this is hard. Take your hands off the steering wheel of your life. Now don't do that while you're driving a car here in Pembroke Pines. But I don't know about you, but it's always funny. Sometimes I'm driving the car. My wife's sitting in the passenger seat. Passenger. There's no brake pedal over there. But she thinks there is. There's no steering wheel over there, but she thinks there is sometimes. But you know, we like to control our lives, don't we? Take my hands off. You know what we need to say? You're the potter, God. I'm the clay. Mold me. Make me. See, it's a process. By the way, it's God's loving hands that he wraps around our lives. God loves us. See, it's a planned process, but it's also, and I love this, a personal process. The word conformed there, conformed into the image of his son. Look at the word. It means to be made like unto another, in the likeness of another. God says, I don't want you to be like this world. Look, don't look at me. I don't want you to be like me. It's scary when you're a parent and you see your kids in you, you know? You know what I want for my children and my grandchildren? That they would be more like Jesus. You know what I want for our church? That you would be more like Jesus. And the word here, conformed, it's, look, it's good. Listen to me, don't get me wrong. It's good to have some good examples to look up to in life. Now, the problem is many times the examples that we look up to are worldly people. I love this spirit and attitude of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. King, you can do whatever you want, but we're not bowing down. We're not going to worship your image. And yet, if there is, and by the way, the only person that is worthy of our emulation is Jesus. Oh, to be like him. We should want in our lives to be more like him. And that's what God wants, for us to be like his son. John said, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that we shall, when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Oh, what a blessing. But listen, don't wait till the Lord comes back. You know what this world needs to see in you and in me? Jesus. That's what I want in my life. Oh, to be like him, blessed Redeemer. This is my constant longing and prayer. Gladly I'll forfeit all of earth's treasures, Jesus, thy perfect likeness to wear. God is wanting to conform us 
And there's different ways that God will conform us to be more like Jesus. One of those ways is through prayer. You remember as Jesus came, Jesus did not come to stay. He came to give his life. The Bible says as we watch and follow his footsteps, he went from that upper room scene across the Kidron Valley to the Garden of Gethsemane. When Jesus got to that garden, remember that he tried to encourage his disciples that were with him to pray. And he went a little further. And he got on his face before his heavenly Father. And the Bible records there in Luke chapter number 22, he said these words, he prayed these words, Father, if thou be willing. Now he knew he was God. He knew that he had to give his life as a sacrifice for our sins. But notice he says and prays, remove this cup if thou be willing from me, nevertheless. If I could if I could put into English this morning the word nevertheless, something like this. If you're not, Lord, if you're not able to, if it's not possible, I would gladly, listen, here's what he prayed. Not my will, but thine be done. You know what God, even his son, God was conforming. God wants to conform your life through maybe prayer, maybe through trials. Thomas Watson said years ago, a sick bed often teaches more than a sermon. How many times I've been with a saint of God that has gone through a time in the hospital or time as, as sickness has come, and here's what they've said to me. Pastor, God taught me this. God showed me this. God wants me to do this. More than a sermon from a pulpit, God used that trial to conform them to be more like His Son. You see, we listen, don't we? More intently when we're going through something because we lean more on Him than on ourselves. Look, when you go through these times, don't look at it because it's not. Don't look at it as if God's punishing you. When we go through these times where God is working all things together, understand that it is the tutoring and the loving hand of God in our lives. And through the trials, we can grow. And through the trials, we can be conformed. This process that he's describing here in Romans chapter 8, as we allow God to work things in our lives, what can we do through them? We can magnify him. Goes back to our theme for the year. I want you to look at these verses here in your notes. Psalm 34, look at verse 1. I will bless the Lord how often? At all times. His praise shall be in my mouth how often? Continually. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. We've been singing that all year. When I think about somebody like Fanny Crosby, I think about Curtis Hudson, so many others. I was thinking about Claudia Dakers, one of our dear members. I was talking to her on the phone. You would have never known she's got all that going on in her body right now. 
She's just magnifying the Lord. She says, God, I don't understand it, but I believe in your sovereign rule in my life, that you're working all things together. What is it that God has taught you today? What is it that God wants to teach you through his sovereignty? In Romans 8, 28 and 29, we see his promise that he's working all things together for good. We see here his purpose that as he's working things together, that it is all according to his purpose. And we see his process, that God has saved us and God has a purpose for our lives. God has a plan. He wants to use you. How many of you this morning could say in your heart today, I believe in the sovereignty of our God. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I'd like to ask you a few questions, and if you would, just remain still and seated for just a moment. How many of you would say this morning, Pastor, by an upraised hand, I'm saved and I know it. I've had a time that I've trusted Christ as my Savior. Can you raise your hand as a testimony? I see hands all over the auditorium this morning. You can put your hands down. How many of you, listen listen to the question, this is just between you and God, how many of you would acknowledge that there have been times in your life that you have not lived in the sovereignty of God? There have been times in your life that you have kept your hands on the steering wheel instead of taking them off and letting God have control. Would you raise your hand if, if God's saying to you this morning, yes, there's been times. My hand's up with you this morning. Would you stand to your feet this morning? And as we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, and the piano begins to play, we call this an invitation. It's a time that God has been speaking through His Word, by His Spirit, and we have down here in the front of the auditorium, what we call an altar. An altar is a place where we can come and meet the Lord. Christian, this morning, has the message pierced your heart? How many of you this morning would say, Pastor, I've been encouraged about this message about God's sovereignty in my life. Why don't you come this morning? Say, Lord, thank you for Romans 8.28. Some of you raised your hand. Listen, I hope you came to church to do business with God. Well, he's waiting for you to come to him. Why don't you come this morning? Say, Lord, help me. Help at times my unbelief. Jesus said to tell his disciples many times, O ye of little faith, why don't you say, God, help me to live every day a Romans 8.28 life. The altar's open this morning. Why don't you come? If you need to be saved, you have never yet trusted Christ as your Savior. Why don't you come today? Put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Will you trust Him today? His providence his sovereignty in your life, will you be more like him?